because I had my own narrative telling me, no, 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 no. You can't speak to your dad in this like weird language. And then I've got my dad telling me on the other side, if you don't speak to me in Sindhi, then I will cut the call. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been. We'll share stories about how God's grace is working through their lives and how they had the courage to really put one foot in front of the other and build a life that is fulfilling, meaningful, and filled with a sense of play and wonder. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings, pivots, and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. And I hope that you will tune in, whether it's on your walk, on your drives, going to the gym, however it is that you listen to this podcast. I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Welcome everybody to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. My name is Nadira Razak, your host. Today, I am joined by a special lady, Coach Goldie on Instagram, but she is Goldie Uttam Chandani. She was introduced to me by my husband's cousin, Soraya Lukmanji, who one day when she was here at one of my boys' parties, said, Nadira, you should probably look into teen coaching. And by the way, I have a friend that I went to uni with, and maybe I should connect you with her. And so Goldie and I got talking because I happened to do this volunteer role um, at the local mosque, Um, not local, it was actually 30 minutes out from where we live. But my boys go there to study Arabic um, and Islamic studies. And the principal there asked me to come in, you know, do some sessions with the teenagers. And I was thinking, I think I'll need to have a conversation with Goldie because she has had this experience. And so that was how we first connected. And I just loved her energy. I just feel like she just breathes life into you. And she has this particular way that she speaks. It just goes directly to the heart. So when I knew I was doing this podcast, it wasn't in creation mode at the time. It was an idea. But when I spoke to her that day and we only had 30 minutes on the phone, I was like, Goldie, I'm doing this podcast thing. I'm going to have you on as a guest. So now here we are today. Goldie's just come back from holidays. Um, And so I'm just going to, it's my Friday evening. It's Goldie's morning. She's already had coaching sessions for the day. I'm going to introduce her to you formally, but welcome Goldie. Thank you for being here on a Friday morning. Thank you. Thank you, Nadira. You have given and set the bar on another level. I'm I'm so thankful to be here. And uh, may I just say that the energy resonance is mutual. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you here and speak with you. So I think as a team, we will be yes. inspiring lives, hopefully. 
And if not, we'll just have a really good time. Yes, exactly. To me, this is just so fun, especially on a Friday. It's that Friday energy. It's very feminine. It's just full of love. And I've had lots of laughs on a Friday when I've had the podcast. So I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to introduce Goldie to you so you know where she's chiming in from. This is my first guest from Europe. So Goldie is born in Madrid with Indian roots and and her studies were carried out in England. She lives in Barcelona with her family and she has been coaching teenagers, families and executives for more than seven years. In April 2023, she was awarded the Global Excellence Awards Best Life and Teen Coach 2023 Catalonia. And she's always been passionate about this niche of clients, as in these young people, teenagers, for their ability to learn and the positive effect of a coaching process that lasts on a teenager for many years, because that way she's helping the young man or woman to be the leader of his or her own life. She's had clients of more than 25 nationalities, and she has more than a thousand hours of experience. And thanks to coaching, She's been able to challenge herself, such as doing sessions in Hindi or using her role as a writer and generating that as a coaching tool to work with the emotions and with the poetry. Goldie is also a motivational speaker and facilitator of workshops for secondary school students in the public schools of Catalonia, which is where her journey towards coaching began in 2013. In her spare time, Goldie continues to write poetry and loves running and fitness. She also advocates passionately her mother tongue, promoting the Sindhi language widely across social media by creating videos with her son, whereby she teaches him the language in a playful manner. That's so beautiful, Goldie. Thank you just for gifting us your presence. I can't wait to dive in. And I think maybe just because you've come back now from holidays, just Tell us a little bit about the trip and life, just the energy that it brought you and the, the state that you're in now, <laughs> coming back <laughs> post-vacation. So, you know, uh, you know, it's as I was hearing you uh, narrate my bio, I observed a commonality, which was language that seems to, um, you know, be highlighted a lot in the way that I have, uh, I guess, journeyed my way through which I I think when you hear somebody say it, you suddenly resonate with it. And in parallel to what you've asked me just now about my trip, the one thing that I picked up on in both um, Japan and Korea, which is where I was in the countries I was in, was this, uh, the the same topic language. And uh, for the first time in my life, I was challenged with the inability to not speak a language that that was obviously not familiar to me in either of the countries and it just brought to life the importance of communication and how widely I value it in my own life and I think we all almost take for granted sometimes so but but you know communication goes beyond the language which is what I discovered in on my mm. trip. It, you can you can be present for a person and not speak to them, but simply give them your attention by looking into their eyes and just even just using your hands and yes. getting your message across or trying to understand them. I think that's the, that's like the biggest lesson I got. Uh, you try to understand the other person and the rest will just flow. 
Oh, I um, love that. You try to understand the other person and the rest of yeah. the flow. So because you, take you the know, focus you know. off yourself and exactly. you get present with the other and then you don't feel yes. the nerves. You just take in. Like, I feel like, yeah, when I'm in these interviews, whenever I'm connecting with someone, you just take in the other. What you're saying here res- um, just so resonates, even just with the animal kingdom. One day I remember um, just going for a walk down my street and there was this little bird who was knocking into this car tire wanting to get to the other side because the mama bird was really um, like she was frantic. She knew she had lost her baby bird. And um, this was like maybe like an adolescent type bird who is just learning to fly, but still connected to the mother. And this bird could hear his mom, but couldn't get there. And I was communicating with this bird because I'm like, I see your mother, the, the mama there. And I know you just kind of need to get across the street, but you're running into this tire because you can't see there's the huge car here. And it was like I was communicating and the bird went on my shoe and I literally hopped across the street and delivered the bird across. Oh, wow. and I, I'm sure she found it, him or her. Like, I know what kind of bird that was, but it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like, you just, you go like, what do you need? Like, you're just present, I think. And then things just yeah. flow. I love that your background is so rich in terms of being Indian and then, you know, speaking another language like Spanish and brought up in Spain, but yeah, Goldie, you go ahead. I interrupted you. <laughs> uh, no, I just, you know, I think what, what I wanted to just finish on was even though we value communication so much, but we base it so often, uh, you know, in the modern world on, on the language on what, so what do you speak? Let's try to understand each other, you know, by using English or, or Spanish mm-hmm. or Arabic. Uh, but what if, what if um, language was not an option? Mm-hmm. So then how would you speak to the person? You would speak yes. to them through your souls. Yeah, because traditionally, I mean, back, you know, when when we did not have language, the only way that you could communicate with person was through your emotions. And if you can just hone into that, which Mm. is uh, organically what we honestly had to do to survive on many occasions in both the countries, (laughs) just, you know, pick up on their expression and be like, oh, he looks a bit angry. Maybe we should just... um, you know, be, uh, say it in it, even though I'm speaking in English to the person, let, let me say it with more love or politeness. And that will just automatically settle that emotion down for the mm-hmm. other person. So it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love so that. that's, yeah. And, and this is what I, I think the, my biggest take was, and I just connected with that literally when you spoke to me about my own bias. Oh my goodness. Isn't that interesting? It's like, we need the other, isn't it? It's like, you can't do this human experience in isolation. And that's why I love what you do, Goldie, like with the executive coaching and everything, because sometimes people could be in corporate and in these offices and they think they're communicating or they think they know themselves, but sometimes they're having such shallow conversations or surface level conversations. And unless a coach like you shows up, and literally gives them space and says, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not judging anything on the outside. We're just going, we're here for you, but on like a soul level, it's like, you might be saying this with your ego that you want this and this is happening, but I'm listening for something else that 
you have no capacity to even tell me in words, but I can feel it. And so I'm going to reflect it back to you. So I think that's what I love, like the coaching and the whole process of that intimacy that we have when you do one-to-one sessions with clients, because I feel like that has a space to come out because someone really sees you. And then it's all your stuff, like Goldie, like with, you know, like your running, like all of those things, all your embodiment practices as well, I'm sure helps with that. But I just... Can we go back to the beginning? I feel like we just started with the holiday. It's like, okay, now let's backtrack and go, Goldie, tell us about that um, that language piece from where you grew up. Because I feel like you just have such an interesting background from, yeah, family history and all of that. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up and boarding yeah, school and yeah. all of that? I found that interesting. Sure. So I grew up in, in Madrid, uh, which is where I was uh, born. Uh, I, I'm born into an Indian Sindhi family. My parents uh, came from India now more than 45 years ago. Um, at the time, I was uh, studying in, in a British school in Madrid until the age of 13. And then my dad decided that it may be a good idea for me to move on and do my further education in the UK. Uh, mainly because he was convinced that the quality of education was slightly more superior in 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 and England you, and were you an only the, child no i have a i have a younger brother okay. who who at the time was 10 mm. so we have a 3 year age gap and dad and and mom decided that whether or not i would you know choose to go if i did choose to go both of us would go together my brother and I. Right. So we, so we, I wasn't at the time aware of the decision that I was determining his fate, (laughs) but, but I did realize in years to come that had I said no, none of us would have gone. Had I, well, I did say yes, we both left. So, you know, there was not an either or option. It was all or nothing. And of course, uh, language was a big part at the time because I think dad wanted us to go and live this dream that he had not been able to live, which was to get an English education. Right. Uh, you know, and, and not just any English education, the best. And for him, the best was to go to the UK uh, wow. because we're talking about, you know, the, the 90s here, the early 90s. So he had the best intentions, of course, for us. But I also felt, and this is all, of course, in retrospect now, he was extremely connected and felt wildly um, passionate about his own mother tongue, which is uh, Sindhi. And we we were brought up speaking the language at home. Uh, you know, a, a very quick decision very early on was made by mom and him that she would speak to us in English exclusively and dad would communicate with us in Sindhi. And I think I'm very grateful to this because, you know, I I would not have been a fluent Sindhi speaker had it not been for the adamant decision dad made at the time that, you know, he would not speak to us in any other language except Sindhi, including my brother. So what happened was I left. And as again, I come back to language. I was thrown into this deep pond where English was the one and only, mm. uh, you know, driver of, of mobile communication, sort of the, the vehicle that, you know, took us everywhere. And I, and I say mobile, not in the sense of a mobile phone. It was literally the vehicle that moved us because we had no email or 
access to internet, obviously back then, everything was done either in person, <laughs> on the traditional phone, or through letters. Yes, because I and I saw that part about you writing letters to your dad, and I thought, wow, yeah, <laughs> just that connection <laughs> with boarding school and your dad. And I was trying to picture you going. We used to read, or at least my best friend in Sri Lanka, she would read chalet school and all of these books, and it was proper like boarding yeah. school environment. And I was thinking. Goldie has actually had that experience and could you talk about like all of the other social constructs that came yes. about because you had such a, like it's yeah like we think oh yeah okay boarding school but I have never really spoken to someone who has gone to boarding school in this way so okay maybe can you share yeah. some of the maybe experiences you had which possibly someone who was just at home going to school or being homeschooled wouldn't have had yeah because of that background right of course I mean so just to give you some some context at the time, uh, I came from the one thing that was in common between where I was in Madrid and where I went to was the system of education, which was the British yes. curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but that that was just the surface level commonality, because what came after that was obviously very different. To start with, I went to an all girls boarding school, which is not what I was used to in Madrid. I went to a, a co-ed system day school and most of my uh, friends spoke uh, Spanish and English not most everyone because you live in Spain you speak the language so intrinsically our communication would you know hopscotch between uh-huh. one language and another which I'm sure yeah. you you can yes to if, you speak, yeah. if you speak Arabic you know you you have conversations in one or the other language and you don't even think about it it's just automatic and this is the way that I was brought up mm. with both my social settings as well as at home. Because let's not forget, mum was, you know, rant, ranting on in English and dad would sort of say his few words in, in Sindhi. And my brother and I, till today, we mix our, you know, <laughs> words and conversations. We speak a combination of Spanglish, as we call it, yes. or or Singlish, you know. There's a lot of that. Yes. And that in itself is an identity for me mm. to, to, to have that capacity of, of switch. Yes. Um, now, this is not what was happening in the UK. Yeah. You know, I walked into a, a typically public, all girls, South of England, East Sussex boarding school, where you, God forbid, you know, spoke a word in a, in a different language, you would be frowned upon, that would just or they would just be in utter shock. And I'm not sort of saying this was a bad thing. I think I would have probably reacted in the same way had I been in their shoes. You know, this is all, of course, once you reflect and look Mm. back. So there was culture shock. I think that was one thing that I encountered. There was um, shock in in the sense of the the gender shock, because Mm -hmm. I don't think that I was ready to embark on the journey for the next five, six years of my life being only with girls. And also at that tender age, like 13, everything's like awkward and you're going through all these changes and you didn't have mom, dad and the comforts. It's like, no, we're just going to uproot you and look like how did Goldie, that teenage Goldie manage that transition? Well, you survive uh, Mm. in the sense you, you tap into your survival skills. And as a human being at 13, the way I was programmed was, just keep your mouth shut, uh, 
you know, follow the leaders. There's always a leader in yes. every group. Mm. I, I was not the leader. I was the outsider. So the outsiders follow the leaders. They want to become the leaders. They look up to these leaders. Not to say that they are the ideal person you want to become. You should never want to become somebody else. You should just want to be who you are. Yes. <laughs> but you don't do this at 13. Um, especially thinking that whatever you have is a drawback for you mm. because you want to be like the other person. Exactly. So, and then you make yourself smaller or you don't appreciate what you, you don't bring to the table. Right. Mm. And I did observe I was belittling my own abit- abilities of language uh, grasp that I today take full pride in. But when dad would call, for example, anecdotal things on, on the there was a phone booth we all sort of commonly shared and there were cues to sort of wait and see who's mom and dad is calling now because the, oh, wow. the incoming call. <laughs> there was no caller ID. You just don't know who's going to call. Wow. And if you were lucky, the lottery was on your side and it would be, you know, my dad calling or my mom or nobody. So when I would receive a call, you know, it wasn't just a private booth. It was a booth when the door was wide open and everybody could hear your conversations. So wow. I I very distinctly remember dad would speak to me in Sindhi from the other end. Nobody could obviously hear him, but I would have to respond in Sindhi and I was ashamed of communicating in my own language because I was more concerned about how will I look in front of these you know girls who I'm desperately trying to fit in with yes oh my gosh I can so relate to like people in their 40s are doing that now like probably in corporate offices and amongst their friendship groups and maybe they don't fit in but somehow they think this is what everybody is want expecting of me or whatever and then but yeah. oh my gosh right. I just feel for her so much oh my goodness I think I think if I were to change anything it would be nothing <laughs> yes <laughs> I really I really would not change yeah. a thing Mm. Only because I think I got my earliest lessons on inclusivity and inclusivity (laughs) and diversity. All in that (laughs) one boarding school experience and the age that that you were at. (laughs) Right. Because I had my own narrative telling me, no, 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 no. You can't speak to your dad in this like weird language. And then I've got my dad telling me on the other side, if you don't speak to me in Sindhi, then I will cut the call. So, oh my goodness. Like, so he's holding on to culture and tradition and just wanting on. to pass this on to you. And hats off to him because had he, had he not done that, yes, I would have lost my marbles and not been able to share the story with you today. Exactly. And and I feel yeah. like that connects you so much to the teenagers too, because you've had this, like, you know, being uprooted, being in this other culture, another country, having to be this way. And then now, like, you're also coaching teens, you know, in addition to your executive coaching. And could you just share the story of how that even came about? Because you were saying even in your bio, like that was kind of like your foray into, you know, coaching um, this idea yeah. you had. So maybe backtrack and tell us what you were doing before you became a coach and, and that whole story. Because I think mm. it's amazing that whole um, 
department of education piece that you shared with me <laughs> when I first spoke sure. with you. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, now we're, you know, now we're in adulthood and I've, I've married and moved to Barcelona. Uh, this was in my early thirties and I was uh, working at the time with my, with my husband's family company in, in the company. And I, I held a, you know, a, a role in the, in the marketing department. So I was very, I was very stereotypical focused on I've got a business degree so I need to do a business role and this is this is where my place is and you know I was I think I for the most part I I did feel like I'd found my purpose mm -hmm. in my you know early 30s I'd, I was also very proud on sharing the fact that I was a young mom and I, I was done with my kids and this is it like my career has taken off and but it hadn't because I was I would often find myself sitting in the office uh, you know, as I called it, closet writer. I would just be writing away. Wow. And I think a lot of this comes back from my practice of writing letters to dad, which then, you know, went on to becoming a diary writing practice. And today, the you know, the common word today is, oh, everybody journals. But, you know, mm -hmm. Goldie was journaling when she was 12 plus mm. because this was just, it, nobody told told me to do it. I think, I don't think any teenager back then was told, oh, you must have a diary. Mm. It was just done. People just did it, you know. Mm. Um, we did not know what outcome it would give us, but obviously now today all the research shows that it was a wonderful way to tap into something that you couldn't understand either yeah. or to even make self-discoveries. Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, the adult Goldie is writing away these short pieces and articles and, you know, pieces of poetry in the office, which I didn't really share with anybody because it wasn't particularly something that so I So would you do that public. during your lunch break? Yeah, okay. yeah, I would. I would, I would have a quick lunch in the kitchenette and then, you know, I, instead of, you know, maybe watching some TV or having a conversation with one of my colleagues, I would come back to my computer and I'd just be, you know, I had, I'd set up this blog, which back then was, it was, you know, Blogspot. I don't know if you remember that yes, website. Yes, I know Blogspot. They had, yeah, they, they had a, they had a very sort of intuitive um, interface where you could just upload, uh, you know, a piece. And it felt very nice because you almost felt like, oh, I'm on the internet. <laughs> So it wasn't like you were doing knows. it for the outside world. It was just for you, but it was published it was, and you yeah. could see it. I was publishing. Yeah, I was I was literally self-publishing for myself. I was my only only audience. Yes. And this was a very fulfilling, um, you know, result for me. So I kept doing this. And, and I think one day, um, as with all secrets, they're found, right? So <laughs> my <laughs> my brother discovered my blog. I think it was through uh, some email that we exchanged and the link was, you know, he just saw it there. And he, he asked me and he said, what's this? And I told him what it was. I said, oh, it's just some stuff I do. It's a hobby. You know, I write. And I mean, he, he knew I was always writing because I had diaries and diaries piled up. Were you just processing so everyday experiences in those journals? Like just putting was, your spin I, on things or what you thought about what just happened and there was yeah, something happening. Was, exactly. Yeah. I'd I'd always I'd always seen myself as someone who reflects a lot on, you know, what I observe mm. from from where I'm sitting. And this was this was some 
something I'd always just had. It was an innate, um, you know, ability that I possessed. And then I just coupled it with my words and decided to put it on paper. Yeah. And I think in, in retrospect, there was, um, there was two outcomes from that. One was to make myself understand what I was observing. So mm. to find like a deeper meaning to it, mm. which can then lead, lead me to tell you that I'm an overthinker as well. Um, but <laughs> that's only come as as consequence of the coaching. Um, and then another thing was I, I, I felt on a very uh, underbelly level, I could relate to the people that I was writing about as well. Mm. So so the, a lot of my pieces at the time were, you know, reflections of what people were sharing with me, their own, you know, sort of stories or, or, or friendships that I, I had. And I was trying to make sense of something that had occurred or even just my own relationships, like my brother and I, or even my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a son and a daughter. And at the time they were very small, but I was already penning down what, in my opinion, was the relationship between a brother and a and a sister mm. and what's the age gap between the married. two of them what's... three years oh okay beautiful yeah, they're three mm. years apart and I felt there was a big parallel there because I am also three years with your brother, brother. Yes. yeah um so that you know that I just found that I could draw a lot from my environment Mm. and so therefore you know one one somebody asked me what is your style of writing and I would just say oh it's lifestyle you know, oh. lifestyle writing. Yeah. Um, and then what happened then, of course, as to answer your question was, I decided that this is, uh, this is not just something I want to do privately because mm. my brother had encouraged me to, you know, he'd just thrown out the word, oh, you should write a book. And after having read bit, some of your stuff <laughs> that you thought was after private. Having read some of my oh. stuff. Yeah. Which I yeah. continue to believe was not, I, I'm, I don't know, but I really, now I look back and think, gosh, how did I even think of publishing some of this stuff? Because <laughs> I don't think it's that top quality notch, you know, you know, writing. But at the time, it's the best you are. And this mm. is where I believe everyone should understand you are only becoming a better version of yourself every single day. So don't give yourself such a hard time. And do you know what, Goldie? You just as you said that this thought popped into my head you just said I was like an overthinker but when your brother said you should write a book there's also a part of you that's very like in flow and in alignment and if something makes sense and it clicks you don't actually overthink it you don't hold back so much and that's that's really rare and so refreshing that's what I love about like what I see in you like you just have this idea Thank and then you. you go for it. It's just like the story to come. I know you're going to tell it. So I'm yeah. just going to not say it. Oh, Thank you. you. Say it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as I was telling you, I, I wasn't entirely sure, but there was there was a bit of adrenaline there, you know, fueled <laughs> by my brother and, and then after that by my husband as well. So there were these two important men in my Ooh, life pushing the me masculine to do this. encouraging this. 100 feminine was, woman to was, just like express it yeah. there's something or they're yeah. seeing something in you it's like there's your dad there's they're your brother something. there's your husband like all these masculine yeah. figures mm-hmm. going goldie this is going to be good for you and they they're observing you yeah almost and right. saying she needs 100%. to go this way yeah yeah and I, and it, it's funny you mentioned this because i did not consult my mother on one thing in this mm. entire decision wow. i i just didn't feel the need to i was i was very self-assured by 
my my brother and my husband and my dad I think for the most part was was always my biggest fan anyway so I just knew whatever I would tell him he would be like yes but I'd go and do it you know <laughs> love it it's so cute <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah so, it's like um, yeah but he was captivated by you I think I think there's that he, he fathers was, he and was. daughters like I think daughters want that from their dads for them to be captivated yeah, he yeah. Was, he was he was my first male mm-hmm. role model and you know eventually I think even today I, I I often tell my husband that a lot of what he is is what I can see in my dad you know and uh wow. or used to see in my dad you know but anyway so then this book came out and we had it in hand in 2000 and end of 2013 mm-hmm. um so, you know, it took about eight months, nine months to sort of complete the product. And so now what? Like I had this book in my hand and I thought, what do I do with this? <laughs> you know? So I, again, had a moment of reflection and I went through all the pieces in the book and I thought there's one common thread here, which is obviously lifestyle and relationships. But, you know, this speaks uh, very loud volumes to a, a younger reader, in my opinion, Mm. I wasn't too young, too old at that time anyway. I was 33, I think. Um, but I did notice that the blog was being commented on by a lot of like people in their 20s. And a lot of my younger friends were also ta- taking a liking to what I was writing. So now it's um, public. So your brother encouraged you to like not have a yeah, yeah, audience. Yeah, then, just yes. you and the computer. <laughs> it was just... Well, yes, because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to just go and sort of write a book without testing the waters first. Okay, so the blog was a way of having readers show interest in certain pieces. Yeah, yeah. And and of course, this all started with friends and family. So by then, Facebook was a very big deal. This is, we're talking 2011, 12, I think. Uh, So there was the whole sort of avalanche of social media was coming in. And I would just share links of pieces I would write every week on my Facebook page. Nice. And then that's where the traffic was coming in. You know, very early, basic sort of um, SEO was being done on this. And I and I realized, okay, I think I have an audience. Mm. Um, now, And this is where I discovered my purpose. And I thought, I can't just sit here with a book and not let anyone sort of get some benefit from it. So I decided to go to the Department of Education in Barcelona. I decided, I love, you know what, this key phrase, if you look at all your, the language I'm picking up on is I decided, I decided, I decided, that Mm. sense of sovereignty, like I didn't have to ask my mom, I didn't have to check, I decided, like, I love that. (laughs) It's just like pure intuition or a spark and you're like, yeah, I can, I, I just love that you don't hold back, there's just innocence to you coupled with grit and I just just that combination is just beautiful oh thank you um (laughs) I I do remember very clearly one of my uh, husband's cousins who lives here you know he saw the book and he came to my launch and in fact I asked him to do the opening uh you know credits for it so he had a conversation with me at my launch and he said oh you know um I think I, I hadn't told you this but he sort of put in the the the, um, the little I like he put the idea to my mm-hmm. head mm. that I should consider taking this to like a bigger 
place mm. and 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 he said uh you should just go to the schools and I said what schools <laughs> you know and he said oh I have a friend who who knows like um who who works for like the French department and I said yes but my book's in English <laughs> you know? and he's like yeah but just try and you know I mean, he was he was very helpful in trying to sort of connect me with somebody, but it was the wrong language department. But anyway, yes. I just like thought, I have a door. Let me just knock and let's mm. see if someone opens it. And so I walked in and I asked for this person who I did not even know. I knew fully well that she does not speak English, but I still went in. And I said, look, um, I'm here to, pr- to sort of show my You're book. Speaking which- in Spanish now or French? I'm speaking in French okay. because I I do speak a little bit of French, um, but I do also I did also know that she spoke Spanish because she's sitting in the Spanish Department of Education, but she belongs to the Department of French in the Department of Education. This is amazing, and and it it, it was literally a needle in a haystack, and she said, "Oh, oh, okay, but you're you know." Uh, the livre est en anglais and I was like I know <laughs> what does that mean like the book is in English the book is in English <laughs> <laughs> I and see that of course at this point at this point I come back to communication and I'm like you know making these like goofy eyes at her and she's like come here come with me so she takes me to the Department of English and introduces me to her colleague. <laughs> and they speak in Spanish. So I'm like, oh, all that French for nothing. But anyway, thank you. She knew. Oh, my God. She, she, she knew like, how to speak Spanish. Yeah. Mind your language. <laughs> it's like comedy. It was, it was a moment I will never forget. So yeah, it's like a cosmic finally... joke. <laughs> but it's so like all this synchronicity it's like you're and you're observing the observer like you're watching this whole thing unfold in front of you (laughs) and your soul's probably just winking and laughing and going this is fun (laughs) it is it was I I I have to say I had a lot of fun because I had I had no expectations exactly that's what it is the fact that you had no attachment to where it was going and that nothing I was like whatever yeah I mean if anything it'll just be a, a fun day out you know uh, so we, I met I met this gentleman and he was you know very sweet he he had a small meeting with me and he said can I keep the book I said please do it's for you um you know to read if 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 you'd do me the the honor so he called back after a couple of days because it's not a very long book and he said would you what would you want to do with this and I said I I would like to give be given the opportunity to do some uh conferences based on the pieces that are in the book because I you know I feel that there are some important life lessons that I can share you know with with Mm. the students and I'm very uh you know cognizant of the fact that this does not belong to the curriculum Mm. and it doesn't actually connect with any of your subjects but I'd like to believe Mm. that there is a subject called morality and values and you know um connection that that one needs to start developing uh, at, at, an, at an earlier age and more so in the times that we are in because we've got all this like uh, I didn't say social media at the time but I said but there's a lot of information that's being fed to us and perhaps we need to know 
where to filter it according wow. to what we hear and what we say and and also yeah. yeah just like you know sort of I think uh sit with yourself and understand why am I here and, and what do I want to do with my life so he he realized he connected with that straight away and, he said, and had like you thought about saying. that when you reflected? You know how, like, you talked about the scene where you had the book in your hands and you were reflecting on what did you want to do with this? So did those connections happen then or did it happen after your husband's, was it cousin, told you you should go to take this to a school? Or was someone helping you create that? Because I think that's incredible that you even had that level of, like, foresight to go, this is what I'd like to do. with. Like, you had an answer. It wasn't like, let's wing it here. The answer I had from the answer came from me. I I have Mm. to tell you what happened because I have, yeah, I I have a piece in the book which is called "Does Everything Always Happen for a Reason," and this was, I think, my 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 selling suit article, as as Mm. maybe would want to put it. You know, what's what's the suit you want to sell with? That was my selling pitch, Mm. and I knew that I had to market this in a way that was different to what they were used to. I wasn't. I knew I was a storyteller. Yes, but I also knew that I first need to have a story to tell. Yeah, how am I going to sell a story without a story? Oh, I love that. <laughs> and so I, so, so I told him, I said, "Look, I have a story here," uh, and I, I even said to him, "It's on page so and so. This is the, this is the workshop. Sorry, the conference. I would like to maybe begin with. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a very uh, introspective topic. It could go both ways." But the way I'm going to play it is that I'm going to engage with the audience. I said, that's the style of, um, I'm not a monologue. Yes. I, I, I like to have dialogue. So he he was taken with that. And of course, another big selling point was the English. Mm. You know, I said, uh, you know that this is all going to be done in English, irrespective of the fact that I speak Spanish, because we need more English speakers mm-hmm. in a country like Spain. And he agreed with me. Obviously, he would because he belonged to the Department of English. So he said, well, I think this can probably work. Let's give it a, a pro- I'm going to give you a pro bono chance. So we did a set of, I think, three pilot conferences mm-hmm. uh, with a, between November and December. So right. the year ended for me already having published and done three conferences. Wow. Yeah. And I think that was, to be honest, if I don't, if I don't go back to those moments ever, I'm not anything today without that opportunity that that was, you know, given to me. Because after that is when your confidence starts to build. Yes. That's when my suspension took off. Yes. Because you had and real life feedback. You're not just thinking these thoughts. And sometimes I feel like we get addicted to ideas. It's like a drug. Like you think about all these visions, but nothing is happening in the 3D. There's conversations are not happening. The relationships aren't being built. But here you had this epic, like this creativity coming through you. You did it for yourself, not an audience. Then you built an audience after it's like serendipity, like your brother actually found it and said, hey, you should publish this. or you should be considered being a writer or something. Then, yeah, that was there. And then I loved how the marketing side of you, the more business side of you comes back into the picture going, I have... I had to have something to sell. And you said this, yeah. this chapter was the selling suit. Like, I just love that yeah. creativity, that business brain and this artist poet, this part of you, like that masculine feminine in sync. And yeah. then this, 
beautiful yeah. thing gets birthed and it like you like literally took off after I, that. I did and then how yeah. did you know that did you know you wanted to become a coach after those the three conferences or how did that fall in no I didn't know so early on I I did I did more conferences after that because mm. then what they did was they invited me to become an official collaborator right. and for a long time I was just I think uh, on a on a high just loving the fact that I was uh, you know contributing to the system of education yes. with these conferences it was a very small you know stone thrown in the sea but for me it was a really big rippling effect both for myself and just you know every time I finished a conference somebody or the other would come up to me and say oh I really enjoyed that or they would have an, an individual interaction with me so this became more frequent and obviously yeah. you share these moments with your with your family and with your you know people who who care about mm. you your your small successes as, as I call them and I I often would speak about you know oh you know the student wrote to me mm. or this person has asked me to you know sign a book for them mm. and it was a bit like living the the uh, the effects of what you're doing uh mm. live because yes. somebody was touched yeah and that's said. what apparently Oprah said it's not success that we're actually going for. We're going for significance. And I think these yeah. kids you were touching, were showing you that you are a crucial part in their lives. And that, yeah. like, who could beat that feeling? Like money can't buy that. You can't. You were just giving no. that spirit of generosity. And it was just coming back to you and you had no attachment, right? I guess you were an official Correct. collaborator, but you're making a difference in these kids' lives or teenagers. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. And as, as you know, your question is, when did you realize, right, mm-hmm. that, oh, okay, this is going to make me, you have to live something again to then find a disconnect, to then find, oh, there's something missing here that needs to, the thread needs to be connected again somehow. Mm-hmm. So, so now I you reached another your, tipping point, like now there's yes. another fork in the road. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> Absolutely. Now what? So I, I think there was two things that happened. I was, um, I was giving these conferences and obviously the book was there it was great but I felt that I needed to obviously now start creating more content in order to then nourish more 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 minds and more souls but I also had this um conflicting um belief and again it was a core belief and I thought wait a second on what grounds am I actually choosing to educate and change their minds when I'm not a teacher by by you know by profession I don't have the qualifications to be a a a speaker because I have never officially been certified as a speaker I mean yes I've done so much public speaking my whole life and I have all the certifications to prove that but a part of me was just thinking you're still not good enough to sort of change people's lives because you need some sort of stamp on a piece of paper that tells you yes you can educate them with this Mm-hmm. you know and I think that conversation happened with my brother over the phone not so not with so much conviction but he said to me very again very casually he throws <laughs> in the word you should become a coach and I said oh what's that what's that I, <laughs> I love it <laughs> yeah no I didn't even know what a, a life coach was at the time I, I was just doing my thing wasn't and in your consciousness then, not at all because you see, that's the thing. I hadn't been coached before, right? At all yes, either. that's true. So this is all just my writing telling me, 
or my my gut feelings because I'm the mm. thinker that I am and I was just thinking something's not sitting completely okay with me yes I've enjoyed the success thus far mm. but if I want to move forward with this I feel like I need more responsibility uh but based on something that I've earned you know I love this connection um, with your brother do you just pick up the yeah. phone and just chat about like everyday things or do you have like a routine of connecting with him because how did these things happen because I love this this sibling relationship and how much it's brought you in terms of direction it feels like he's this natural guide he sees where your energy needs to go and he just says one thing and because you respect him and appreciate who he is it just drops in your heart and you're like okay there's fertile ground here the seed drops when it's ripe this girl takes action and she's on fire and she just goes and does it <laughs> like you know yeah oh, beautiful <laughs> I mean I think that that again these are relationships you've built over time Nadira you you know that best because mm. you know you also come from a rich family background we we were both uh, sent to boarding school very young we've lived very uh, parallel lives uh, you know, independently in schools where both of us needed needed each other. Uh, I don't think there was a, a weekend that went by that when he didn't contact me or I didn't go and see him. I, I admit at the time, I was uh, the protective older sister for, for the longest time. That's the role I just took on, you mm-hmm. know. And then until it was, I think, at university, when I went to university and he was still in his final uh, school year, um, I I know that I let go a little bit because I could see mm-hmm. that he had just become this grown person. And of course he was, he was 18 by then. So, you know, but it was never, um, let me explain this. There was never like this a uh, label that I gave him, oh, he's my younger brother and I'm going to look <laughs> after him. It, it, yeah. It's never been like that. Yeah. Never. It's just been very, almost, we even had a lot of fights. Like we would yell at each other a lot and just like siblings do, yes. you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but in the, in, the, um, in the background, I think we both just quietly knew that he's got my back and I've got his back, you know, mm, and that we I understand that. each other. We, we, yeah, I think that's where it is. We just understand, we get each other. Oh my God. And then of course, say it over and over again. We understand each other. We get, we understand. Yeah. It's like coming back to what you were saying in your trip, like that soul connection without the language underneath that you get each other. That's what matters. You just get it. Yeah. 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 So he, I think he has a gift and he will never admit to it because he's a joker by, by, by nature, by personality, he is a clown. And he will make you laugh until you fall on the floor. But he's also Amazing. so wise. Yeah, I think he's a visionary. Yeah, mm. my brother is a visionary. I'm a let's get things done. Yeah, uh, I'm always on time. I'm the punctual one. I'm the organized one. But he, he's the visionary. Yeah. So he sees things much before I will even want to open the door. He already knows what's on the other side. Mm. You know. And, and I he's think just that saying, works. "Do this, Goldie." check that box or you know and then because you're so in your flow and your alignment when he speaks you just can receive it you're in a receptive space exactly that's and I think that's what the feminine does where this rich like fertile sort of grammar very receptive that's what you said I absorb you don't need to do much like you just literally listened and then it was like 
when the timing was right or whatever it this thing things just happened <laughs> and it was just this yeah. delicious mix of synchronicity like um yeah like there was some grit involved and you there was some thinking involved but it in every other sense I, I see it like yeah it's just beautiful and like divine and a lot of yeah love wrapped in it I feel love because and also respect and, and respect. trust I mean I yes trust I trust his I trust his judgment a lot you know I I I won't question it I mean yes I'll 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 have a constructive conversation with him about something but for the most part I'll I know in my heart that I think he's got a point there and I just need to give it some shape and form and try to dig he will never say that do it like this no he'll just sort of throw something out there and then if I'm willing to take it which I will because I have faith in what he says I catch on to his words and then I'll just kind of do some more research or whatever's needed and you know this is just the professional side we're talking today but even in terms of my physical um, activity like my fitness that yes you're running and all of that we couldn't even get there yet (laughs) yeah Yeah. so So, did he plant a seed for it that you should do running he did he did he did Back what, how did that happen? So were you like looking for something to bring you alive? Like, because are you in your forties now, Goldie? Or where are yes, you? Yes, I'm so 45. Were, yeah. were you looking for something after a certain age or what was it that got him? Um, it, it wasn't as much. Of course, I was, I'm always looking to, you know, become sort of uh, feel better and, mm. you know, feel fit. That's always been kind of like my philosophy in life but I I, this particular example was completely by chance we were both talking again you know as what as siblings do and he's always been far more sportier than than I have uh, even as a young boy so we were talking and he said you know what I'm considering a a triathlon he said to me (laughs) said oh wow and I said, that's, that's really, that's really um, challenging, right? Like it's three sports and swimming, I was like, in cycling and the- running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just hearing it was like tiring for me. And I was 31 or 32 at the time. I think this was before my book, if I remember. Mm. Yeah, I think so. So he was like, yeah, I'm going to do it this summer. And guess what? I'm going to come to Barcelona to do it. And I said, really? So where, was is he that... in Catalonia before or like where? He, he where lives in he... Madrid. Okay. Okay. In Madrid. Okay. Yeah. He's always lived in Madrid. All right. Um. So I was like, you're coming here. Wow. Where, when are you coming? And of course the organizer and he's like, yeah, let me, let me plan the weekend and this and that. And um, he's like, do it with me. And I said, what? <laughs> Again, he just threw this thing out. <laughs> wow. And He's like, yeah, let's just do it together. We'll, we'll, you know, motivate each other, and you can train there. I can train here, and if you want, I'll set. He you was up like your and- accountability buddy, checking in how many steps you were doing and everything. So you had a like a yeah, a mentor buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, friend. So mm. and I was, I was, I was again. He knows me so well. He knows I love a challenge. So <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe he doesn't know it, but I can tell you now he does. Yeah. He clearly said the right thing to me. <laughs> so I took on this challenge and to cut a long story short, I did the triathlon. He didn't. Oh my goodness. That is insane. <laughs> so he never showed up or something happened and he pulled out? He he couldn't he couldn't finish the training and he said, I'm not gonna do it. 
Oh my God. It so was I like I, all that while it was for you. <laughs> it's a little catalyst. Yeah. And now she's running and with it. Don't like and that he's, whole ne- and he's never she done runs one. With it. And mind you, and since then he's never done one ever. <laughs> but I went on and did, you know, the ones that I did. So yeah, the catalyst came from there. <laughs> That's amazing. Because you know what's funny? Because this whole week from my Monday all through this week, it's all the conversations that have been in. I went to a a Monday afternoon women's session with a spiritual guide. He came from Yemen and he spoke Arabic yeah. and there was an English translator, mm-hmm. another spiritual guide okay. from Sydney who was translating. And he is from the family of the Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him. So everyone, oh. you know, is quite respected. Yeah. And the whole conversation was about masculine and feminine energy, about the family unit. And he was talking oh, wow. about the fine intellect of you know if you were born in a a male body and usually the depth of emotion and the how wise we are as women and he's like when you try and get that topsy-turvy you get a very distorted image and I'm hearing you know and then another mentor who you know um does human design and all of that she was talking about your inner masculine and your inner feminine and they have to be you know working in sync to create in the 3d And then I'm hearing you now at the end of my week, it's Friday night here in Melbourne, (laughs) talking about the male figures in your life and you, this like wild feminine, this really receptive woman who's like obviously had a clear head and clarity. So when the male speaks or that word is spoken, it acts as the seed and the catalyst. And then you receive it because you respect them and you trust them and that bond that you have. And then look at you like, Oh my goodness. Like, I just love just how that whole picture is. And and then one thing led to another, but it was, there were these moments, there were these forks in the road where you had to make a decision or something in your life had to change or get interesting. (laughs) And the seed comes in, it's like (laughs) consciousness. And then yeah, mother earth. And like one of my, um, she's a past client and, and she does all this beautiful embodiment work. She would call it father sky and mother earth. And she'd say like, there's the electricity. Yeah, she would say it was like the electricity coming from like consciousness, but then your womb and that, that femininity, like you just catch it. And then, yeah. yeah, And then when the time is right, these projects just birth. And I feel like you're instinctually in alignment with that. And I feel like, yeah, the embodiment practices you do with the running, do you dance as well, Goldie? Um, Not as much as I used to. I, Mm -hmm when I was younger so growing up I danced a lot and I think yeah yeah, it's just it's just transformed into more physical now in terms of exercise related stuff but um I I do get the whole dance part as well it Mm. it has played a big role in my life especially as an Indian girl yeah you know so that yeah I I definitely agree that movement uh, creates Mm. um magic yes alignment uh, I think because I felt it this morning I was actually feeling really low and I'm like oh my god I didn't go for my walk my usual walk by the creek in the morning just because my husband took the kids and normally it's like that habit stack right when I take the kids I drop them and then I go for my walk and it's about two kilometers and then I'm done at least I know that and then I have to move and my spine needs to move and all of that but what I noticed today I was feeling like not myself in the morning and I was thinking yes I need to move. <laughs> and so this has been so amazing, Goli. Like all of the things that I thought I was going to ask you, it just never happened because we were just trusting the flow. 
Yeah. It always happens. And I'm like, I'm going to have to have you again another point to talk about other oh. things. But this has been so well, wonderful and so fun. Um, and what, for me like, too. I'm, yeah. Thank you I'm for delighted. sharing I, and being so generous with just your process. I, I like that when your brother talked to you, he didn't give you a process. He would just give you the vision. Like you said, he's a visionary. You kind of yeah. found your own way through and you had a way, yeah, I, mean, I think of dealing I, with. I, I did find my way through, but you know, I have to give so much credit to a support system in everyone's life. You know, you, you need to tap into that. Otherwise things don't happen by themselves. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I've done a lot and I'm, I'm grateful and, and I'm proud of myself, but I think if it wouldn't have been for the key component figures, you know, my, my brother, my husband, some very supportive friends as well, you know, who've always just believed in me. Mm. Um, and yeah. then in, in my case, my children, both of them, even though and they're, they're teenagers they're, now, right? Both of them are teenagers. teenagers now. So they, <laughs> I mean, one of them, no, Oh, one of them is an adult. He's 18, going on to university. So, oh my <laughs> goodness. I didn't like, I was thinking like 13, 14. I, I didn't think 18. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you look yeah. amazing for a mom of an 18 oh. year old in that. So it's still Thank like you. youthful. And I just love it when you go to your, like your Instagram page and then there'll be pictures of you, you know, having done the conferences and then you're like in your Doc Martens and your sweaters and all of that. And then there's a part of you like with your running gear, the, the, you know, athletic sort of wear. And it, it just, it's beautiful because we get this whole picture of you and then the more professional Goldie, you know, with like, <laughs> I, I love the, 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 the sense of style that you have as well. I think it's, it's just really beautiful. And I just want to thank you for being here today, Goldie. Is there any final words of wisdom that you want to leave us with our listeners if they're thinking of making a change or maybe feeling a little bit like their life force isn't as tangible and they can't feel where it's going or they're a bit mushy what would you say like what what would you want to say to that I I think everyone should have a conversation with you Nadira (laughs) because you 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 accentuate the goodness in everything that one says and you know you you put a spotlight on 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 your observation on what the good is in a person is outstanding I and I and I say this from the bottom of my heart you know I I have obviously uh contributed to whatever you wanted me to give here today and I think it's been wonderful but it's only been possible because you have an organic ability to put the spotlight where it needs (laughs) shining on so yeah I think one of my coaches said that um I, my purpose or part of what I do is I see the hidden brightness in you and I bring it out and you put different words to it. You said, I put a spotlight. And then what does that give you? Like confidence then like to go, you're more certain in yourself. You're more down and in with yourself. It's like, I know who I am. That's who I'm meant to be. Like, and then they just go do it and it feels effortless. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for reflecting that. And I and I also want to say that your ability to do it in such a spiritual manner is extremely um, it's 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 very uh, it's very gracious. So you, you know, I, I I don't see that a lot and often. So I think <laughs> we need more of that uh, definitely. And and I hope that you're able to give that to more people because 
that automatically just sets you on track in the day to also, you know, uh, shine your light but from a spiritual angle and not so much a, a, a mental or, yes. a, you know, a scientific. There, yeah. there has to be some, uh, some, some soul in in the yes. in the way we operate from our from yeah. our minds. And if we do more of that, then one doesn't need to rely so much on the books and and you know yes of course education is important but what's most important is how you feel inside and then that adds confidence and I was yeah. getting I noticed before the interview getting a little bit more nervous going have I really done like research on Goldie and I'm like my I had to talk to myself going Nadara that's never your way you're re I just take people in it's like I yeah, like from our conversation yeah. that time I was in the car park, I couldn't even put my video on and we were talking before I had to go and talk yeah. to these teenagers <laughs> that I was volunteering at that role. And I was like, Goldie, yeah. you can't see me, but it's okay. I just want to talk to you now because this is the only time slot we can find. And then I was like, well, you gave me so much in that 30 minutes. It's like, I just, I, there's so much of you, you gave to me and gifted me. So I had that. And then of course I've been like watching you on socials and things like that. And I'm like, all of those things gave me a picture of just who you were. And then today it was like, no, like just trust. It's just, you're just in the moment. Yes. My phone was going off. I was like, I hope that doesn't carry me. To you. I had to put it on silent. All these checks and balances. I'm still getting with my own in masculine of like having structures I'm like now there are like have a checklist before you get on the interview so make sure you've turned off your phone or done other things but yeah this has been so fun just as I wanted it to be it's like yeah it's complete like passion projects bringing you different yeah like a variety of people not just one type of person as well. Cause I think, oh, when I'm talking to like a, a Muslim woman, then I'm starting with Asalaamu Alaikum and everything. And I'm thinking, but I don't all, not all my friends are Muslim and not all the people that, you know, I move with are from yeah. that community. And I was like, well, this podcast is going to have a little bit of everybody. <laughs> and that's because oh. I'm, I am it's like the whole human experience. I'm here for all of it. So thank you so yeah. much for gifting us your presence and your Friday morning to share with us and yeah I just think that how, how would you so how many you... people sharing what oh, they got thank from you. it yes go how, how would you say goodbye and and farewell in Arabic oh so we just say yeah assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu and we say jazakallah khair um meaning like um it's like telling God to like give you goodness it's and assalamualaikum is just like peace be upon you you know so it's thank you goldie that was amazing thank you to you and thank you you're to wonderful thank you well. nadira have a lovely evening <laughs> you too thank you so much for listening to the your truth is calling podcast i just absolutely loved this episode it was so full of aliveness laughter and so much depth and insight, especially if you think about how something came into being in terms of a direction in life, you know, like Goldie finding her purpose. It just evolved, you know, quite naturally, and it involved introspection and forks in the road where different decisions had to be made, or where, for example, when she had felt that sense of purpose, um, you know, working with teenagers, all of a sudden she had this thought like, well, who am I? to keep 
educating these kids. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a speaker. Um, and then, you know, her brother just dropped in that little seed saying, why don't you become a coach? And she said, what's that? And then that kind of created this new direction where she went and studied to become a coach. And now she's, you know, an award-winning coach. Um, so, so Hanala, like this is just, it just goes to show how we can't sort of plan everything in life. Everything is not in a neat little box, but it does require that you take moments of pause in order to reflect about where you're going, what's not sitting right, um, and also just bringing your whole self to the table and having that little bit of oomph and, and belief in yourself. Like, for example, um, Goldie had that sort of business brain where she was like, well, who's going to pay for this or who's going to be the audience for this? And she actually thought about it. And, you know, when she was putting her blog out... I want to offer you a chance to do this for yourself. This is something that I help clients with when they're facing a transition point in life where they don't know, do I go this way? Do I go that way? The main feeling inside is something isn't sitting right. I know something is not right. It's like princess and the pea, right? You feel like this little niggly feeling that there could be something more here or you're not seeing something. I usually act as that guide on the sidelines kind of witnessing your life and witnessing everything that you're saying so that I can see where the gaps are and possibly you know give you that sense of direction if you are feeling like something is missing in that department in life if you would like to set up a time um, to figure out if that is something that you want to do we could do a quick 15 minute chat um, just DM me at Nadara Razak on Instagram. And I just want you to really take from this episode all of the possibilities for you. You know, we're in spring here in Melbourne. There's new life. You know, we went away for 10 days. And when we came back, all of the particular uh, plants outside and trees outside that were pretty much, you know, non-existent with flowers were suddenly in bloom so there's new life around the corner. Now, internally in your own life, you might be in a winter season. You might be in the season of autumn or fall, but we're all at different points in our lives and it's important to just be where you are and honor the season that you're in. And if you're feeling like, oh, this is a time for introspection, going inside and reorganizing things in your own life, it's a good time to reach out for coaching. So I would leave you with that. And if this episode touched you in any way and you know of a friend or two who could really benefit from this, I would love you to share this episode with them. Share the podcast and uh, let us know in the comments, in a review or however you'd like to share how this is transforming you and changing you. And if you have any feedback or anything like that, just DM me at Nader Razak. Thank you again so much for listening. This is your host, Nader Razak, from the Your Truth is Calling podcast, signing off. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.